1: Welcome to The Core here on, Amer- on American Family Radio. My name is Walker Wildman. This is The Core. Our website is AFR.net. AFR.net our website. That's where you can go on the internet, on the World Wide Web, and keep up with the show. We have the app as well, the American Family Radio app, for you to download at your convenience by going to your app store, typing in AFR. Or you can type in American Family Radio, download the app. It's free. It takes you just a couple minutes to do so. And then you can access all the great content on American Family Radio right there at the palm of your hand or at your fingertips. Uh, The American Family Radio app. We're live streaming the video on Facebook. Just go to the course Facebook page. You can live stream the video there. We upload the video after the show to the AFA streaming platform. The URL for that is streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net. Our scripture for the week is out of the book of Psalm chapter 14. Psalm chapter 14. Uh, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away, all have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Verse 4, do all these evildoers know nothing? They devour my people as though eating bread. They never call on the Lord, but there they are, overwhelmed with dread, for God is present in the company of the righteous. So what we pointed out yesterday was David pointing out, making note that the evildoers are often overwhelmed with dread. Despite their haughtiness and their arrogance and their pride, uh, even the evildoers are often overwhelmed with dread. Uh, our, our our stories for today, we have a special guest coming on next segment, Philip Jereghi, uh Senior Counsel at AFA Action, Senior Counsel over at AFA Action. We're going to have him on to talk about the Supreme Court pick by President Biden. Uh, Katanji Brown Jackson is her name. She's a federal judge that is being or has been nominated to the U.S Supreme Court to fill a vacancy there. So we will talk to Philip about this nomination and a little bit about Judge Jackson's background, some of the concerning rulings in her past. We'll talk with Jud, uh we'll talk with Philip Draghi about that uh, in the next segment. The uh, White House has been very good at predicting things but not very good at preventing things. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that now. I came across this story, a recent story out of Breitbart. White House warns of global food shortages after Ukraine invasion. Okay, interesting. You notice the White House is (laughs) in the business of predicting a lot of doom and gloom. Very, very, uh, very... Much doom and gloom coming out of the White House. Here's what the uh, White House press secretary said on Monday. Quote, we do anticipate that higher energy fertilizer, wheat, and corn prices could impact the price of growing and purchasing... Could impact the price of growing and purchasing critical food supplies uh, for countries around the world. That's White House press secretary Jen Psaki on Monday. The The cause of this needs to be talked about, spoken of, because if not, the left, the Democrats, the White House, the mainstream media conglomerates, they will, they will create the narrative, they will formulate the narrative, and then we will, we, will, we will buy into the narrative whether it's true or not. What they're going to do, mark my word, it's happening now, they're going to blame rising food costs and any food shortages that take place. They're going to raise, uh, blame it on Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's happening now. The reality is, is the vast majority, if not all, of the decision-making that has led us to this point has happened pre-Russia-Ukraine war. All the terrible policies of the Biden administration, shutting down the economy, printing too much money, all of this has led to a point where our supply chain is struggling severely. And China has a part in it as well. I didn't realize how much of our fertilizer, or at least the raw materials that go into producing fertilizer for farms agricultural purposes much of that comes out of China yes it's not just the computers it's not just the clothing It is also raw materials that are needed to produce mass quantities of fertilizer to fuel our crops around the country not to mention China's buying up farmland around the country as well but all of this 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 disaster was in progress this pending problem i wouldn't call it a disaster this pending issue uh this loo- looming issue was in place the, the the train was already going down the tracks well before vladimir putin decided to go under, into ukraine so don't belie- believe the lie that this is all vladimir putin's call- fault or russia 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 the responsibility lays on, on the shoulders of the president the executive branch uh, for, for setting in place terrible policies that have led us to this point. And so um, we talked, actually, about two months ago, we, um, we talked about uh, the rising cost of fertilizer for farmers. We talked about that and how and predicted how that would lead to astronomical rises in food pricing. And so we're going to see that here in the next several months and the next couple years. These are not short-term problems, folks, and I want to remind you of that. These are not short-term problems. And I, I, I say that because I'm hopeful that this leads you, the American people, to make better decisions at the ballot box. Well, for those who say, well, I didn't vote for Joe Biden. Well, good for you. I hope you voted, first of all, but... All of those who voted for this nonsense, who voted for Biden in hopes of unity and economic recovery, <laughs> um, next time remember uh, where where we are now. Don't forget where we are now, and uh, and what this has this has led to. A Biden administration has led to uh, one clip. I want to play before we go to a break. Uh, let's play clip two. This is President Biden predicting a Russian cyber attack. Clip two. Let's listen.
0: Today, my administration is issuing new warnings that, based on evolving intelligence, Russia may be planning a cyber attack against us. As I said, the magnitude of Russia's cyber capacity is fairly consequential, and it's coming. The federal government is doing its part to get ready. But under U.S. law, as you all remember, the private sector, all of you, largely decides the protections that you will or will not take. Well,
1: there you have it. The president predicts a cyber attack on America but offers little steps to prevent it other than shifting the blame over to the private sector. Well, it's interesting how when things go south, it's all of a sudden the private sector's fault. You know, corporate greed is what they say. But these are the same folks that are all about corporate America and the federal government being in bed together this is that's their thing government and, and private corporations need to work hand in hand right we need a you know let the government get involved in every detail of the private sector because that's gonna make America better that's what they say but then when we're warning about cyber attacks well it's on the private sector to protect against cyber attacks oh really I wish we would take that private sector responsibility approach through all avenues of the government interacting with the private sector. But no, they're not going to do that. The government inserts itself into the operations and the the doings of the private sector when it's convenient, when it's politically expedient, when it it advances the purposes of a large government. But when it doesn't and it's not convenient and it's not politically convenient— the government shifts blame to the private sector. It's what they do all the time and that's what they're doing now with these cyber attacks on are uh, these pending cyber attacks they claim on America. The um, you, you you many of you wondered how reliant we were on Russian oil. I told you how reliant we were on Russian oil. We didn't know what the repercussions would be uh, by cutting off Russian oil imports into America. Well, the president announced that um, the U.S. will no longer accept Russian oil, and that's actually – that decision is is still pending. It's still being reviewed as to whether that's actually happening or not. I read a story the other day where Russia is actually still shipping oil to America. So the legitimacy and the validity of the president's order is is up in question, so we'll look more into that. But uh, economists – this is an economist – Uh, Lutz, two economists actually, Lutz Killian and Michael plant, Plant, wrote an article uh, for, or posted an article in the Dallas Fed, so the Federal Reserve office there in Dallas, and here's what they said, quote, if the bulk of Russian energy exports is off the market for the remainder of 2022, talking about for America, if the bulk of Russian energy exports to America is off the market for the remainder of 2022, a global economic downturn seems unavoidable, end quote. Well, I don't disagree with that, but they're missing is the fact that we can cut on our own energy production. And see how unhelpful it is for the Dallas Fed to say, if we don't take Russian oil, then we're going to have an economic downturn. Well, okay, thank you for stating the obvious. These are the experts, remember? These are the smart folks. But what they could have gone on to say is, hey, we have a solution. We're smart. We are the heroes of the day. We have a solution. Let's ramp up American energy production. To offset the loss in Russian exports, and we can even this thing out, and we can actually end up creating American jobs and growing the American economy. This is like Economics 101. This is Nationalism 101. Ooh, nationalism's a bad word, Walker. We can't talk about that. Nationalism is mean. No, nationalism is great. It's excellent. It's brilliant. Nationalism advances the interest the f- interest first of the people of this nation. And nations all around the world throughout human history have exercised nationalism and it has boded well for them. Look around the, look around the world. Many leaders around the world focus on their nation first. Why? Because they were elected, many of them not elected, they were put in the, their position to advance the interest of their nation on the world stage so nationalism is a good thing and so we don't need to shy away oh no no i'm not a nationalist we should all be nationalist the left has taken that term and they've lumped it in with white supremacy which is a completely separate issue not at all linked to nationalism And they've turned it into where we all have to apologize for loving our country. Oh, you want to put America first? Bad you. You're selfish. You're not a Christian. You want to put America first? How dare you? Well, I wonder why God set up borders. Why did God set up nations and boundaries? Hmm. Maybe because he knew that we would all live within those boundaries, live within those nations, and, 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 and so national loyalty is not a bad thing, folks. It's not an evil thing. It can be a very good, a very healthy thing. You want to know why? Because if Christians will f- focus first on building and, and, and instilling biblical values in America, what can we do? We can export those values to the world. AFA at the core. I'll be back in just a few minutes.
0: For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Buzz Aldrin is the famed astronaut who planted the American flag on the moon and explored it for some 21 hours. What many don't know, however, is what Mr. Aldrin did to commemorate the moon landing. Aldrin, a committed Christian and elder in his local church, mark the incredible occasion by celebrating Holy Communion. The first meal ever eaten on the moon was a celebration of the Lord's Table, a lunar declaration that Jesus Christ is Lord, Savior, and soon coming King. That is pretty cool. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
2: This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls.
3: When's the last time you witnessed someone choose the easy thing over the right thing? It happens a lot. Just think, if it were easier to return a shopping cart to the corral, how many would be left in the parking lot? While it's easy to recognize returning a cart is the right thing to do, your girl might be facing some big life decisions with uncertainty on how to proceed. In scripture, Paul reminds us, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It's important to teach your girl that courage isn't the absence of fear. Rather, it is the power to overcome that fear and move forward in life anyway.
2: We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. You can learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com.
0: always had an interest. God has given us a gift of being able to help a lot of people with their finances and budgets and stuff. AFA supporters Bernie and Alice Larson met Dan Celia at a Faith, Family, and Finance town hall meeting.
3: And he answered some questions and we were thinking about the charitable gift annuities and we'd never heard of that before but we thought well we'd always wanted to leave some of our money with for God but we didn't know where or how and we felt like this was put into our laps as answer to our prayers as to what we could do after we're gone.
0: Bernie and Alice learned a charitable gift annuity from the AFA Foundation would provide them with a the monthly income for life as well as supporting the American Family Association into the future. You can learn more about charitable gift annuities and other financial products at afafoundation.net or call 800-326-4543 extension 345.
3: And uh, you just can't outgive God.
0: AFA at the core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the core on American Family Radio.
1: Welcome back to the core here on American Family Radio. I'm Walker Wildman. Glad to be with you on the show today. As I told you last segment, we have a special guest with us on the line now. Uh, Actually, a guest who was on the show last week as well in studio. We have with us Philip Jeregi, senior counsel over at AFA Action, the governmental affairs affiliate of the American Family Association, Philip. Welcome back to the core.
0: Yeah, Walker. Thanks for having me. Good to be with you.
1: Yeah, you, you uh, uh, Philip, yourself, along with uh, some of our uh, judicial researchers over there at AFA Action, have been studying and researching Judge Brown at least for a couple weeks now. Give us, uh, give us a, an overview of Judge Brown, a little uh, uh, Judge Jackson, rather, a little bit of her background and some of the interesting. Cases, or rulings, or trends that you're finding uh, throughout her career.
0: Yeah, she's a she has a very interesting background. Um, unlike a lot of other nominees, some some very concerning things, a couple that are interesting, that are intriguing. Um, for one, you, you know, she even said this in the hearing. Her background: she is a, a Protestant. Now, she didn't want to go into much detail about that, but the church where she attended and served on the board 11 years ago with a very evangelical church that took biblical positions on practically every issue that AFA would agree with. That was very interesting. You know, however, she's also been on the member of a board at Georgetown School that seems a bit woke. And um, since she's been on the bench, she has taken many liberal positions on issues, has written amicus briefs in favor of pro-abortion cases. And so, a lot of concerning things about her. Um, she's been a judge, by the way, for almost 10 years, uh, was on district United States District Court judge, nominated by President Obama back in 2013, served there until last year, where she was then promoted to the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. She's been there since uh, for about a year. So, um, yeah, that's just a little history on her. But uh, Walker, I don't think she's done well in the hearings. I think she has hurt herself and um, some things have been exposed that are very concerning. We can talk about those, but that's just a bit of a summary.
1: Well, uh, Philip, let me ask you this. Uh, you and I talked last week about the thread that uh, Senator Hawley put out. He's been addressing this in the hearing with the judge. Yep. Um, as it relates to Judge Jackson's treatment uh, in the courtroom of Child sexual predators, uh, child pornography uh, suspects are are criminals. Yeah. What what's what's the latest on that? Is there is there validity to those uh, concerns well, that Senator Holly absolutely. brought forth?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's um it's without dispute, and and we're not talking just about cases. She also was in favor of of lightening these sentences when she served on the U.S. Sentencing Commission, and so. Um, I mean, it's it's verifiable with data that she has given light sentences. I mean, there was one case in particular that Senator Hawley talked about where the sentencing guidelines issued by Congress um, called for between 90-something months and I think 121 months. And this is a case not where someone abused a child um, or, or raped a child, but where people were looking at pornography of children. In this case, think there were images if i remember correctly where the children were as young as 8 10 12 years old so this wouldn't be a situation where somebody looked 21 and they were actually 16 i suppose those instances are out there but there's no mistaking an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old being raped in videos okay this is what this guy had um the if i remember correctly i think the um probation officer or a report by the government said, okay, let's give him, I think, 18 months, but Judge Jackson gave him three months. And Mm -hmm. so this is one that Senator Hawley really highlighted. It wasn't an isolated incident. It was in every case with child pornography. She was giving sentences far lighter than Congress had called for, and that even the probation officer was requesting. So it's a major concern. It's a pattern. And She refused to really give the reasons behind it. But I'll tell you, there was an interesting part where she was talking with Senator Graham. And um, she said, you know, if a person happened to receive a bunch of images, they could be given 30 to 50 years in prison. And Senator Graham said, good, they ought to. And so it was very clear that Judge Jackson wanted light sentences for these people, far lighter than the sentences dictated by statute from Congress.
1: You know, Philip, I think that right there, and this this is a a snapshot of a massive judicial philosophy and record. It is. But that right there, the 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 idea that Judge Jackson thinks that she can take it into her own hands as to mm-hmm. sentencing, as opposed to following the guidelines or even accepting the recommendation recommendation from the prosecutor. That is that is really a peek into the worldview and the ideology of these radical leftists who don't uh, really—they don't embrace the rule of law. Instead of it's more of it's more of what they think, when they think it, and doing whatever they want, when they want it.
0: It is. It is. And this was a big issue in the hearings um, to the point where some of the Democrats—I don't know if you saw this. It was almost comical, but the, some of the Democrats on the committee were saying, what is this phrase, judicial philosophy? As though they'd never heard of it before. I mean, they were literally acting like it was an odd question to ask her about her judicial philosophy. Um, it is a world, a weird world sometimes that we're living in. And um, but I, I do think the truth came out during the hearings. I think it was very positive for our side, and I think I think we did a great job of defining judicial philosophy.
1: All right, Philip. Uh, keep up the good work over there at AFA Action, and uh, we'll have you on again soon. Maybe uh, after these hearings are over, we'll have you back on the show.
0: That sounds great. Thanks a lot, Walker.
1: All right, thank you, Philip. All right, there you have it, Philip Jaregi, senior counsel over at AFA Action, and uh, Philip, along with uh, several researchers out of Regent University, or Regent Law School, and Liberty University Law School, uh, are 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 studying and researching a federal judicial. Nominees and potential nominees so that uh, you, uh, the AFA supporters, the AFA audience, can be better informed about these various nominees that are pending before the Senate and uh, ones that could be pending before the Senate, potential nominees uh, here in the future. So we're taking an offensive approach uh, on as it relates to that. Senator Mitt Romney weighed in with a Washington Post reporter. You notice who these... uh, These Republicans that don't really believe in the Republican Party platform like Senator Romney and Mitch McConnell and others, you notice who they go to when they want to talk? They go to these left-wing outlets, the Washington Post, New York Times, so on and so forth. They go to these left-wing outlets. Well, Senator Romney did the same thing. Here's what he had to say, or here's the report from Washington Post congressional correspondent Paul Kane. Romney tells me talk this is the reporter writing Romney tells me that child porn that the child porn angle via Holly Cruz is wrong won't impact how he votes said Kane the reporter. Senator Romney went on to say it struck me that it was of course meaning the attacks were of course that came from some and there is no there there so these are these are incomplete sentences. <laughs> Which has happened which is what happens when you grab a senator in the hallway. Um, but but so Senator Romney says there's no there there regarding the concerns on the and the the objections to the rulings and the opinions from Judge Jackson. So what do you want to talk about Senator Romney? And this is what the media doesn't do. They don't come back with the hard questions. But if if talking about the judges, Judicial philosophy and her worldview, if that's off base, if that's no, if there's no there, then then what can we talk about, Senator Romney? Are we going to talk about our favorite ice cream, our favorite restaurant, our favorite movies? That's probably what they want to talk about. But this that the, the judicial philosophy, that is the essence of what should be talked about. That should make up the bulk of these hearings before the U.S. Senate. But Senator Mitt Romney from Utah, the Republican in-name only, says, well, uh, 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 we don't need to be talking about this. There's no there there. What do you uh, substantiate that, Senator Romney? But they don't. They don't substantiate it. Why? Because they can't. Because the rulings are there, the black and, and text of the rulings, it's there on paper, on these judicial rulings that Judge Jackson handed down. Also, the opinions and the commentary from her her um, position on the uh, as she was when she was vice chair of the U.S. Sentencing Commission from 2010 to 2014. All of those opinions and writings are are there. They're documented. They're in the record. But we can't talk about them. We can't question them because that's off base, says Senator Romney. Sounds like Senator Romney uh, needs to change party affiliation to the Democrats. Well, one of the they told us we couldn't talk about, but guess what we're doing on the court? We're talking about it. That was the Hunter Biden laptop. The Hunter Biden laptop. We were told it was a fake news story. It was Russian disinformation. And as it turns out all along, the laptop was legit. And there was some very explicit, disgusting material in the laptop coming from Hunter Biden. Yes, the president's son. Well, uh, Marito, uh, Bartiromo, Maria Bartiromo, rather, on Fox Business, she interviewed Peter Schweizer. We've actually pay- played Schweitzer's clips. We've talked about his books and so- a lot of his reporting. He's an investigative reporter uh, specializing in government corruption. Listen to Bartiromo and Schweitzer talking about this Hunter Biden laptop and how the FBI knew about it all along clip one.
3: We are back with Peter Schweitzer, the president of the Government Accountability Institute, as we talk about all of the alleged money and deals that Hunter Biden did with officials across the world, particularly in China, Russia and Ukraine. Peter, we're showing the business deals that includes a three and a half million dollar check from the uh, former uh, mayor of Moscow's wife. Give us your take on the FBI and the Department of Justice's investigation right now into all of this. Is the FBI investigating Hunter Biden, and could that happen while Joe Biden is president?
0: Yeah. In fact, I think this New York Times piece, the fact that they got cooperation from Team Biden and probably from the Hunter Biden legal team is an indication to me they are extremely concerned that he is going to be indicted. This grand jury has been meeting since 2018. They were suspended during COVID because of health care protocols. It's back up and running. And it's very clear that when it comes to the uh, the issues related to tax evasion and money laundering and the other issues wrapped up with it, they're extremely concerned that Hunter. Biden's going to be indicted. And I think this article is an effort to frame that conversation in a way that could be the most favorable to them.
3: So in other words, while they were trying to impeach Donald Trump, the FBI knew all of this existed. They knew about the laptop and they didn't say anything while Trump was accused of doing deals or having a bad phone call with the Ukraine president.
0: Yes, that's exactly right, Maria. They knew it all the time and that deserves investigation as
3: well. Peter, it's great to have you this morning. Thanks very much, Peter Schweitzer. So, according
1: to this report, there's criminal criminal content on the laptop. There's reported criminal activity with the Biden family and business deals with governments and big business leaders from China, Russia, Ukraine, and other countries. And that's what's so frustrating as it relates to the Trump administration and his Department of Justice. Yes, the Trump Department of Justice, led by Bill Barr and others. You had Christopher Ray over at the FBI, longtime deep stater, bureaucrat. And Bill Barr and the FBI team, they would they would they refuse to come out and confirm that the Hunter Biden laptop was legit, they refused to do that. Why? Well, that's uh, that's uh, uh, that's uh, meddling around in politics. That's interfering in the election. Oh well, as long as the Democrats are in charge, they don't mind releasing October surprises through their federal agencies. It's not our fault that Hunter Biden dropped his laptop off at the computer shop in Delaware and forgot to pick it up. And so, reportedly, Bill Barr, the former attorney former attorney general, President Trump had a phone call leading up to the election, and the president said, Mr. Barr, we need to, you need to speak out on whether this laptop story is legit or not. And, of course, Bill Barr wouldn't do it. No, oh, no, no, we can't do that, Mr. President. We can't we can't electioneer, we can't meddle, we can't make press releases on this. Well, why not? So the left and the deep staters and the bureaucrats and the longtime enemies of our nation all came out and said it's Russian disinformation, it's Russian misinformation. Putin planted the laptop at the computer shop. This laptop story is not legit. We talked about it earlier this week. All the major platforms said, no, the story cannot circulate on our platform. We, not, we will not allow the American public to see this story. They electioneered. And the Attorney General Bill Barr and the Department of Justice and Christopher Ray over at the FBI, they refused, they did not have enough decency and integrity to tell the American people the truth. To tell the American people the truth. But this is not a two-way street where they don't speak out as it relates to Republican scandals or Republican investigations, and they don't speak out when Democrats and their children are being investigated and indicted, so on and so forth. No, they happily come out and investigate the sitting president with a special counsel under Robert Mueller. That's no problem. Oh, we're just seeking justice. We're just trying to pursue justice, and we'll go wherever the facts lead. But Hunter Biden smoking crack with pornography and business deals with corrupt officials around the world and doing kickbacks for his dad. No, we can't investigate that. That's electioneering. We can't look at it. Sorry. Hands off. Complete double standard. Complete double standard. We need to restore justice for all, equal application of the law in this country. Be back in a few minutes.
2: Can we trust the Bible? He says, we saw this, and that sets the Bible apart from almost everything else in the ancient world and its religious pantheon of gods and goddesses.
0: The God Who Speaks. The important documentary from the American Family Association is now available to watch for free on AFA's brand new streaming platform. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to watch this award-winning film today.
4: Thegodwhospeaks.org. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values.
2: Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. I know we're all praying for Ukraine and Eastern Europe is a part of the world where Bible League has a very strong presence. In nearby Albania, Pastor Ephraim is preaching away one Sunday. There's a ruckus at the door. Who is it? 20 militant Muslims. They storm the pulpit, drag this man down the aisle. His family, many in the church who are new converts are just horrified. They take this man to the front lawn where they beat him nearly to death. You know what his crime is? Very simply that he has been patiently and winsomely sharing Christ with Muslims and atheists and they are coming to place their faith in Jesus Christ. But the leaders in those uh, movements are not happy. You know, when I ask him, how can we pray for you, brother? He did not say pray for an end to our suffering. He says, pray that we'll see those around us as the mission field and more will come to Christ. $5 sends a Bible, $100 sins 20 to Eastern Europe today. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give it sendbiblesnow.org That's sendbiblesnow.org
4: For American Family Radio I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. There's something incredibly beautiful about watching a child open a gift you know that they'll love, right? The anticipation in their hearts and yours of the joy they are about to experience it's thrilling imagine our heavenly father's anticipation all of creation romans 8 tells us groans in anticipation desperately waiting until we receive our inheritance imagine the joy on the lord's face as his children open the gift of christ and receive his eternal blessings it's the kind of joy that can sustain a soul forever and it will we rejoice when our souls are freed from bondage by His grace. We shout for joy. But Jesus is waiting, even praying for us, to rejoice over us for eternity. Read God's Word daily. Visit GetAnchor.com.
0: AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio.
1: Welcome back to the Core I wanted to mention an event that we have here in several months. July 7 through 9 is our annual Marriage Family Life Conference. Annual Marriage Family Life Conference 2022 is July 7 through 9 in Tupelo, Mississippi, in the town of our headquarters, our national headquarters here in Tupelo, Mississippi. So I want to encourage you to register for the conference July 7 through 9. It's going to be a content-packed conference teaching our audience and training those uh, who come, who come, the attendees, on a biblical worldview. What does Scripture say about marriage, family, and life? We're going to talk about that at the conference. have several great uh, speakers, and so uh, we encourage you to do so. You can go to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net. And register for the conference. You'll land on the homepage. You'll see a video, a short video from the directors, Will and Mickey Addison. And then right below that, you'll see register now. And you can complete your form uh, to register for the Marriage Family Life Conference. It is very, very affordable for a, a three-day conference, two full days and the, the evening before. Um, let's see. We have... Adult tickets are seventy dollars per person for the entire conference. Seventy dollars per person for an adult. Child, uh, children uh, tickets for children. Thirty-five dollars. Thirty-five dollars for a a, a a ticket for a child. Thirty-five dollars for a ticket for a child. Um, so we encourage you to go to marriagefamilylife.net, register for the conference, and we'll see you in Tupelo in July. And while you're here. You can stop by our brand-new national headquarters, Don Waldman Center for Cultural Transformation, just opened this week. Uh, while you're in, in town for the conference in July, you can stop by our brand-new headquarters here in Tupelo, Mississippi, and uh, tour our facilities. We'll be glad to show you around. Back to the content for the show, the, um, I came across this story out of the Jerusalem Post. The Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky, has been making his rounds to all the world leaders, begging for financial aid for Ukraine. No surprise there. Well, he went before the Knesset in Israel, which is their governing body there in Israel. And here's a description of it. Uh, Zelensky continued his practice of customizing his speeches to suit his audience when he addressed the Knesset over Zoom, taking the comparisons he had already made between his country's situation and World War II to the next level, and dedicating the lion's share of his speech to the Holocaust. That comparison, the Jerusalem Post explains, did not have the effect Zelensky apparently had hoped for. What you think? Rather than stir Israel's leaders and legislators to action and solidarity, the heavy Holocaust comparisons from saying Moscow is planning a final solution for the Ukrainian question to saying that Israel should have Ukrainians like Ukrainian righteous among the nations save the Jews or save Jews drew more, more focus from its audience, which criticized its inappropriateness than Zelensky's appeal for weapons. Here's a comment from one of the ministers in Israel. I appreciate the president of Ukraine and support the Ukrainian people in heart and deed, but it is impossible to rewrite the terrible history of the Holocaust. Genocide was also committed on Ukrainian soil. The war is terrible, but the comparison to the horrors of the Holocaust and the final solution is outrageous. Couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And that's why I think it's ridiculous that everybody's painting Zelensky as this, this hero, and then all of a sudden nationalism is cool, right? <laughs> if 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 we're nationalist in America, well, that's bad. But if Zelensky's a nationalist, then everybody applauds him. He's standing up for his country. He's fighting for the Ukrainian people. How honorable! So I guess nationalism is okay now. But everybody's applauding Zelensky. Well, he goes out and compares the war with Russia with the Holocaust. This is an unequal comparison to say the least. And so many people in our society compare... Are, uh, current situations, modern history events, his, modern historical events with what happened to the Jewish people in Nazi Germany. Also, people today in American society and other places, they just throw around the term Nazi like it's a hot potato. Oh, well, that so-and-so's a Nazi, and, and, and this person reminds me of a Nazi, and they called President Trump, President Trump's a Nazi. They just throw it around left and right They don't even know what on earth they're talking about. And so it's time that we start denouncing people who want to pull out the Nazi Germany Holocaust comparison as it relates to situations today. There are very few, if any, historical events between the Holocaust and 2022 that compare to the Holocaust. If any. If any. The only comparison that might be accurate, that would be accurate, is the systematic slaughter of innocent babies in the womb. That is an apples-to-apples comparison that is historically and factually accurate and is a morally equal, equal comparison. I was talking to somebody the other day who grew up in China, and she was talking about how in, in, in the last several decades, China has murdered over 300 million babies in the name of abortion. America's at 70 million. China's at 300 plus million. That's just two nations out of the entire world. And so if we want to talk about holocaust comparisons we want to talk about holocaust and other historical events that compare to that let's talk about the murder of babies day in and day out in some of the most developed nations in the world but comparing what's going on in ukraine to the holocaust is an unjust incorrect comparison and the the israelis called it out they saw it for what it was and they were extremely, extremely upset after Zelensky um, spoke to uh, the uh, Knesset there in Israel. So that's just a little background there. Uh, talking about other nations, Germany, France, Italy, other EU nations, I found this story that's not going to be talked about in the mainstream uh, outlets because it's not popular, it's not cool, it doesn't shed light, doesn't shed a positive light on, on EU and NATO countries, but here's this report: Ten European Union or EU member states have been exposed for selling hundreds of millions of euros worth of military kits to Russia between 2015 and 2022. I'm sorry, in 2020, despite sanctions, EU member states including France, Germany, and Italy potentially broke a European embargo on selling arms to Russia issuing more than 1000 arms licenses arms licenses after the ban was imposed in August of 2014 military equipment sold to Russia ranges from thermal imaging and firearms to tanks and rockets which were most likely used during uh, Russia's recent invasion of Ukraine and people wonder why I don't want to send american boots over to ukraine It's because America and NATO members have been funding Russians' war buildup against Ukraine. So that's not how this works, folks. That's not how this works. We can't enable and build up our adversary or our alleged adversary, even though the Obamas and Clintons were very much good with Vladimir Putin, you know the reset and Uranium One selling Russia nuclear uh, uranium to build nuclear weapons. So is is Russia really our enemy? Because historically we've been fine with Vladimir Putin. Remember uh, Obama during the debate with Romney. Oh, uh, uh, Russia's Russia's no 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 threat. Russia's no threat. And uh, so. This is why I'm like, hey, let's not go to war with Vladimir Putin. Let's not go to Ukraine and send American blood to Ukraine. Let's not do it. American boots to Ukraine. Let's not do it. Why? Because the same people, including America, that claim to be against Russia have been funding and fueling Russia in advance of their invasion of Ukraine. And so if you want credibility, if you want standing on the world stage, if you want a a just war cause, then you don't enable your enemies. You don't do that. You don't enable your enemies, and then when your enemies strike, you go, yeah, let's go take them down. Where have you been for the last 30 years? Yeah, let's go take down Russia. Let's go take down Russia, even though they're using the tanks that we gave them, the money that we paid them for their energy, Let's go take them down. No, the time to take them down and to prevent this nonsense was the last 30 years. And this is why these wars, these endless wars, are becoming tiresome. The American people, war is, is widely unpopular. When you poll the American people, not just R's and D's or I's, when you poll the general populace, America, uh, 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 war is widely unpopular in 2022 in this country yes there are the warmongers there's the lindsey grahams there's the others that just like to you know beat their fist on the table and say let's go beat the dictators regime change tell me how that went in libya tell me how that went in iraq tell me how that went in afghanistan so they say they, they beat their hand on the podium yeah let's go take down the evil people of the world well, it's a little more complicated than that. Nancy Pelosi says, yeah, let's, tank out, let's take out the Russian tanks. If it were me, I would take out the Russian tanks outside of Kiev. Okay, well, this is not a video game, Nancy Pelosi. You take out Vladimir Putin's troops outside of Kiev with American bombs, then that's World War III, and do we want that? And no, the answer to that, I can tell you now, is we don't want that. Because in 10 years, you and I will be sitting around the coffee table going, so why are we still in Ukraine? Why is my son being deployed to Ukraine next month during Christmas, leaving his wife and kids at home? Why are we doing this again? Well, you know, Nancy Pelosi told Biden that we should bomb Russian troops in Ukraine. And we did. And now we're in an endless war with another world power. That's how these things start. The same conversations were going on. With Afghanistan and Iraq, people were sitting around going, "So why are we there again?" And and our and, and our and our leaders go, uh, the, the fight on terrorism, the war on terror." Well, you can apply that to every country in the world. What about the cartels? What about the MS13? What about the cartels in Mexico that cut off people's heads? That's terrorism. Are we going to go down there and send Marines and Navy SEALs? I actually think we should because it borders our country. But we won't do that because they'll say uh, Mexico is a sovereign nation, and uh, they're, they're one of our allies, and they're, uh, they're right there on the border, and we can't just send military into there, and they'll give you all these diplomatic responses. But it comes to Iraq and Afghanistan, and they're like, let's fly them in by the thousands. Let's send American troops in there. And then you ask them, well, what are we doing? What's the end game? And they'll go, war on terror, war on terror. And uh, it's just another excuse uh, to send American troops, spend hundreds of billions of dollars, uh, sometimes trillions of dollars, uh, to no avail and uh, put our country in a very tough situation that is very, very difficult to get out of. And you saw that with Afghanistan. I mean, there was really no good way out of Afghanistan. There were better ways out of Afghanistan, but there was no really good way out of Afghanistan. The Taliban, they were deeply seated deeply seated in in afghanistan and they they were always going to be there they are always going to be there short of some supernatural intervention and so to think we're going to go into afghanistan 20 years later we're going to come out the taliban's going to be decimated they're going to be gone nowhere to be found again and we're going to have some vibrant democracy who, who are we kidding and 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 the and the, the most astonishing part of all of this is the people running the country, the people at the State Department, at the Pentagon, that like this is all they do. They go to Georgetown for seven years to study war games and, and foreign policy and diplomacy <laughs> only to come out of it with their their seven degrees. I'm exaggerating. But they come out of it and everybody goes, Yeah, let's look to the experts. This is what they do for a living. But these same people think that we're going to go in and do regime change and create a a, a vibrant America 2.0 in the Middle East, ignoring all of human history and all the other countries that have gone in there, (laughs) trying to do some noble purpose, and it just does not end well. We can't ignore human nature, and we need wise leaders in this country who understand human nature. AFA at the core. Thanks for joining the show. We'll see you next time.
0: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.